we should be centered upon you, Lord. And um, we thank you for the opportunity that we have on this earth to seek to bring glory to you, to seek to point others to you. The, the moments we have, the, the hours, the days we have here, help us not to take those for granted, but to, as we focus on you, um, be able to point others to your greatness. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to again look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I started a story there about Keith, and I, I got sidetracked, but he said to me that last Sunday's sermon was a little windy. And I was like, yeah, okay, sometimes I'm that way, and I forgot what my illustration was. It's my leaf blower. So I didn't even laugh at, I think he was trying to be funny. But anyway, maybe he wasn't. There's probably a dual meaning there. <laughs> but, you know, it's been uh, um, just a, a blessing to be here, a blessing to, to watch my girls continue to grow up amongst uh, this church here. You guys have been very supportive. And so, again, thank you. Um, so we're going to turn back to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, um, you know, it, it keeps shutting off. I dropped it earlier, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I think the battery's dead. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah? Are your lamps lit? Ready for the bridegroom? Yeah. Well, the folks at home, if there's anyone at home, it's probably not good enough. <laughs> but are you ready? And I think the book of Revelation is to help us to be ready and to have that focus. But Revelation chapter 1 Starting at verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words and that hear the words again I want to include the teaching of it, but we're blessed to have the Bible. In the early church, they would go and listen to the reading of the word because they couldn't take it home. But hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. It's at hand. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes, all the kindred of the earth will mourn over him, so it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God 
who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You know, we are very blessed people to be able to read the Word of God. We're very blessed. And just to digress just a little bit, yesterday Evelyn and I were able to get up in the tree stand. We haven't been able to do much bow hunting this, this year. Maybe we haven't been as motivated to do it. But uh, there's a couple ways to bow hunt. You can stock up on them. I think that's what Ed and Alicia were doing. She got a deer yesterday. It's pretty neat. Uh, we, we sat in a tree stand in a different spot. And uh, I like uh, tree stands in, unless I can't see very far, you know. And the spot I have now, I can see it's at the end of a tree strip. But there's an area that I want to see. And you have to kind of look through the branches and uh, um, if you use your binoculars just right, you can either zoom in and see the leaves really clearly, or if you focus your eyes and zoom to that location across the field, you can kind of just see the blurry trees. Maybe you've seen pictures like that, and you can be focused in on the distance. And for some of us today, we're not focused in on the right thing. You know, I like to focus across there when nothing's going on close and hopefully see the king of the forest, a mighty beast, a nice big buck, you know. I didn't last night. <laughs> and some of us, we're focused on the leaves and we're not looking at the king, are we? We're focused in on the branches. We're focused in on this and that and we're not seeing what we should see. Life is, is difficult, and oftentimes we don't look to the Lord Jesus like we should. I believe a, peop, a lot of people are focused on the 10 to 20 yards away on those branches and not out across the field where they should be looking, seeing what is majestic, what is powerful, the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, I want to challenge you to know that the central focus of our lives must be the Lord. It must be the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things in our lives that, that we're bombarded with. There's a lot of details we have to take care of, right? Especially during harvest, correct? Some of you may still be weaning. Some of you just may be in the thick of life. And that can be very distracting, and so it's very important to, for us to step back and, and look at the Lord Jesus Christ. To step back and look at what the future really holds. And so the central focus of the book of Revelation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, here we have in verse 4 through 6 a, a benediction, they say. We find a, a Trinitarian greeting of grace and peace to the seven churches, and really to all believers. By that, I mean we find the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit here, and we see the greeting to us or to the seven churches and really to all of those who are believers. And we'll get to the seven churches eventually. We'll see that there's a lot of sevens here. But we must note the wonderful blessings of God to us. That is grace and peace. 
And so we're going to look at the central focus and, and the central theme of Revelation. And, and it must impress upon us how the Lord must be the central focus of our lives. And that's what I hope you really draw from this passage when we look at it. And, and, and more than just saying a central focus, that you would understand the greatness of God because that's what we find here in this passage. We definitely see the wonderful greatness of And the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. And here at the very beginning, we see also the Father and the Holy Spirit involved in this greeting of grace and peace. And so we need to know the Lord God is not a sideshow. He's not a weakened thought. Or he shouldn't be. He's not just a deity only when we are in need. He has to be the center of our lives. And so again, first, in verses 4 through 6, I think we can make this statement, the central focus is the Lord. The central focus is the Lord. And first we find in this passage, and verse 8 we need to include in this, in verse 8, and I didn't really, I was studying it on my computer. Now in my Bible, it has it in red, and it says this is what Jesus is saying. But we, so it ties him closely as we find in the Gospels and throughout the New Testament that he is the second person of the, of the Trinity and that he is God. <laughs> he is God. And so you'll notice in verse 8, tied in with verse 4, the, the, what it speaks about the Father. And so let's start with the Father. The Father is sovereign, right? And it says here, from him who is and who was and who is to come. And when we look at this passage, we see that the Father is sovereign over time. Time is not a factor to him, but he made time and he will use time to hone his children and prepare his creation and therefore, we can say the thing about the same thing about the Lord Jesus. But for the Lord God, time is not a factor. But let's ask ourselves a question. Is your time your focus or is the Lord your focus? I know for me, I'm fighting time a lot. And it becomes a focus. But is the Lord God the focus? We need to continue on. He is sovereign over space. He's sovereign over the space-time continuum, if you want to put it that way. I don't know. But he created the whole universe. He's in control. He created even that yard, you know, on a football field. You mark them with yards. He created the whole universe. From the universe down to a yard, to a foot, to a centimeter. Oh, wait, I jumped from one to the other. You know, we, we had our college girls kind of clean up the back room so that we could have more space. Space can be a problem, right? With eight kids, space, could have been, space was a problem for a while. It's not a problem for the Lord. And yet, because sometimes we think we have a lot of space to take care of <laughs> as farmers, right? You have a lot of ground to cover, maybe, or maybe you're just fighting the 
the minimal space that you have and what to do with it, that can become our, what we're focused on. Instead of the one who made all the space. Sometimes it's all about my space instead of realizing the Lord God is sovereign over it all. He created it all. And so in verse 8, we also, in verse 8 as well as verse 4, he is sovereign over all. What does that mean? That is, if we have not accepted the Lord God's control over all of our life, over everything that we come in contact with, over all of our responsibilities, then we've missed the picture. He is sovereign over all. As we get into verse 4 a little bit farther, it can, and I think it's important for us to understand that the book of Revelation, there's a lot of great Bible commentators that may not fully agree because there's a lot of pictures. And here we have a picture, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And I really don't have time to get into the seven spirits, right? Some say, but just so you know, some say they believe them to be angels and they give this this discussion about it's before the throne, but I think it's more convincing that it's the Holy Spirit, which many of your Bibles may agree because it's capitalized. Spirits is capitalized. We know there is just one Holy Spirit. And so here's an image in, in another commentary, it goes on and on about talking about the significance and symbolism of numbers. And we can go a little bit too far that way. All we need to know, and I agree, seven points to perfection or completion and fullness. And so maybe I'm stretched it a little bit, but the Holy Spirit in his fullness, right? We could say that. Maybe that's not entirely adequate. But some of them say Isaiah eleven two is why we see it as a Holy Spirit instead of angels. And, and you can tie it in with the rest of this first, first section of Revelation. You talk about the seven churches and, and the seven angels, which probably the elders of those angels, and it continues on. But here in Isaiah eleven two, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Many people say it's an allusion to Isaiah eleven two, and others say that's not significant enough. I think definitely Zechariah 4, 1 through 10 gives us this wonderful imagery where, where in the book of Revelation, it looks back to a lot of the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophecy. And so you might just write down Zechariah 4, 1 through 10. And here... Revelation, as it uses this imagery from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, it says in, cha- in verse 2 of Zechariah chapter 4, of seven lamps and seven spouts, and is like the seven spirits in Revelation 1-4. And there's more to it. I can't really go into explaining it. I've already been way too windy, and we're losing way too much time. But there's great parallels there pointing to the Holy Spirit and the fullness and the powerful aspect of who he is, the third person of the Trinity, and what he does. In explaining the vision in verse 7 in Zechariah, it says, My spirit says the Lord of hosts. 
And so I believe it's a, it's a powerful allusion back to this passage in Zechariah 4, 1 through 10. Verse 10 of Zechariah says, These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. We know the Holy Spirit is at work today through the church in the lives and dwelling believers of Jesus Christ. And he's going to continue a great work in the future, but here he is a part of the greeting from the Lord. Part of that greeting is through the third person of the Trinity, the grace and peace. And we know we receive grace through the power of the Holy Spirit by the work of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of sevens in the book. We'll get to them later. The Holy Spirit has power, and, he, and as he is, and it says before the throne, some suggest that the imagery here points to the coming and complete power of God made visible to all men as Jesus will rule on this earth. Let's move on. You say, well, that's very incomplete. Well, let's move on. I think the most important thing for you to remember is that God should be, the Lord God should be cent- the central focus of our lives. And the Son is Lord of all, right? Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God the fa- and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And here we see several descriptions of the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful witness. This is allusion, some say, to, I, uh, to Psalm eighty nine thirty seven, which says, It shall be established forever like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. Selah. But he is a faithful witness. It reminds me of the Gospel of John. I don't know. I go to the Gospel of John a lot in my thinking, especially here we have, and I'm not going to get into it, but it is John, the disciple of Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who wrote this. There should be no argument otherwise. And if you want to know those, we can talk about it. There's clear evidence. Okay? But it makes me think about the Gospel of John where Jesus is saying over and over and over again, you can't know, cannot know the Father unless you know the Son. It makes me think of Hebrews 1, 3. The Son is the exact representation. But He is a faithful witness, preeminent one. For, firstborn of the dead. That is, He is preeminent. He is the first and greatest. He will raise us and give us a glorified body. We will be like him someday, but he is the preeminent one, the sovereign one. He is sovereign over all the nations on the earth. Here we see he is ruler over all the kings on earth. Not all, note also all the dominion in verse 6. We find that he, he has bought us with his, pardon me, he has bought us with his blood. That is, we find that he loved us and he loves us He bought us by the work that he did upon the cross as he bled 
and died as through his blood there's this new covenant and in this he freed us from our sins he made us therefore to be a kingdom all right verse six we're a family but we're also a kingdom maybe we could think about ephesians chapter six verse ten how we're soldiers fighting a spiritual battle There's a lot of kingdom pictures here where we're going to see not only a spiritual kingdom that Jesus reigns today over, but he is going to reign physically over the nations. And all this pathetic stuff that goes on today is going to be dealt with. Praise the Lord. And it is something to look forward to. It is something that we should realize. It is something that, yes, we should even focus on and therefore live our lives more urgently, right? So that others will be a part of this kingdom. And then it goes on, it says, we are priests. He made us priests to what? To his God and Father. And when we come together, we definitely worship the Lord. We worship him here in song. He is to be worshiped, but we should worship him in all that we do. All that we say should glorify him. All to him be the glory. And all that we do and all that we say and even in all that we think. And goes on forever and ever. And we can keep saying ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Praise the Lord. Amen. May it be. His kingdom will last forever. Praise the Lord God, right? Praise the Lord God for he's there and he is not silent even today. Praise the Lord God that he is going to work in a powerful way to destroy the evil one who is at work in the world today, the evil one. He's going to put an end to his reign and his minions will be put away And he will judge all those who will not turn to him. And so all praise to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It makes me think of the doxology. And I didn't, I didn't, I forgot. Uh, I thought I was ready today, but then when I sat down after I did announcements, my shirt cuff wasn't done. I wasn't ready. And I have not talked to our music uh, folks. But it makes me think of the doxology. So maybe we can sing an acapella, right? Would you stand? Because when I look at this and I see the all grace from grace and peace from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, make, made me think of the doxology. And this is something we can sing every day. Praise the Lord, right? Now if I can get it right. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You're like,
like, yes, we're done. No, sit down. We're not done. But look at the end there. He says, amen. I, a lot of churches, we don't say, amen, you know. That drags it out longer. Let's go home. Right? But praise the Lord for who he is and what he has done. The grace and peace that he's bestowed upon us. Praise the Lord. Just hold on with me just a few more minutes, right? The central theme of the book of Revelations, they say, is verse 7 and 8. An essential theme, you know, in our lives should be that Jesus is and he is coming. And we should live our lives as a book that's written out with this theme that Jesus is my Savior and he reigns today and he's coming. But the central theme really, I would go on to say, is not just that he reigns today, but that he is coming, verse 7 and 8. Again, look here. And so we would say this is a theme of the book of Revelation. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. And there's, again, there's so much that, that we could share about all of this, so much great richness from what we see in these words that are written. But I want you to simply understand the Lord Jesus is coming visibly. Now the rapture of the church is different. He will not set his feet upon the ground, number one. He will remain in the sky and those who are dead in Christ will be snatched up. And then we who remain will be snatched up. And meet him in the air. When he comes again, and when he did there, secondly, that's number one. Secondly, the world won't see him at the rapture. There'll be a great disappearance of all the believers who were living. And from from the graves, those who were in Christ, their bodies will be taken up. And they'll be in, your souls will meet your new glorified bodies. And then you will meet Christ in the air. But... What we find here is he is coming, and so this is his second coming. And we look, it makes me think of Revelation chapter 19, all will see him on this earth who remain. All those who rejected him will see or behold him with their eyes. Now, look at verse 7. Who's going to see him and what's going to take place? Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be amen. There's two categories I think we can find here. Number one, those who are Jewish, children of Israel, who should have believed in their Messiah. And, and I, the, the ESV and King James says they will mourn over him, they will wail over him, and that's tied closer to the tribes of the earth. But because we see that word may not mean that they repent. <laughs> They're just going, whoa, this is bad. Ooh. They will be judged. So they're with the Gentile nations. But we, there's going to be a lot who do believe. But there's a lot who will have not believed and they will mourn or wail. But... There's going to be 144,000 Jews who have believed, who will be testifying during the tribulation, during the great tribulation. There will be many who believe 
And when he comes, the whole nation will see the one whom they pierce. And so the involvement there. And I would tie you or point you back to Zechariah 12.10 that says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of, and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. So we have both mourning and weeping. And for the nation of Israel, they'll see, you know, we've been wrong all this time. He is coming visibly and he is coming powerfully. He is coming powerfully. And and it's important for us in both of those instances to look at Revelation chapter 19, which we'll eventually get to. But all nations, all kindred will see him. And Jesus will do away with those who have rejected him for so long. He is coming powerfully with power and might and authority. He will judge and he will deal with them greatly and swiftly. And lastly, that word. And so verse 8, yeah, I would like to deal more with it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. And we dealt with some of that. The Almighty, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he is in control of time and space. Okay? So back to verse 7. He is coming is one Greek word, erkomai. Present tense. And this may have the implication that he is already on his way. Now we know in John 14, 1, he is preparing a place for us. He said, actually verse 3, but verse 1, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. He is already on the way. And it's not like, I better not say my mom, but I already did. So anyway, it's not like when we're getting ready to go somewhere, we're already on our way, but we're sitting in the car waiting to, for mom to do her things. But she can beat me up maybe she won't listen today all right all right i'm in trouble um it's not like we're waiting and waiting and he just can't get there but he's already preparing he's preparing that place he's preparing and he's coming he's on his way and so we get back to that sense of urgency verse eight verse eight i said i already mentioned it but this is setting the seal that this will take place god is sovereign god is in control it will happen it will happen and so again back to the reality of us do we agree with all of this look at verse seven it says amen right doxology amen we agree let it happen may it be Do we agree and eagerly wait for him? Do we keep him as our central focus? And that's where I want you to be today, that you're going to say, yes, Jesus, you are my central focus. You are the one that I am focused on. 
I love you. I want to spend time with you every day. I want to do whatever it is that you're leading me to do. Yes, I have this and this and this and this in my day that I have to figure out what to, when to do it in that amount of time. Yes, I have so much, many, much space to go over. But Jesus, I know you control all of that, and I will follow you. Are we going to say, yes, I am focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, or are we sitting asleep in a tree stand as that the prince of the forest, the monster buck, goes by? And Jesus is greater than a monster buck, okay, you hunters out there, right? Am I focused more on hunting? Where am I focused on the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I focused on my work? Am I focused on my family more than I am Jesus Christ? What are you focused on? And as we get into the book of Revelation, we should see the majesty, the greatness of the Lord God and the urgency and also the blessing that he will do what he has said he will do. He will make it happen. And all of this, the difficulties of this earth will be done away with. We have a wonderful future. The focus in the book of Revelation is the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's also in the fact that he is coming he is on his way the way the lord jesus right the way the lord jesus is on his way our focus must be on him let's pray lord thank you for your patience with me thank you for your patience with us Thank you for your patience and your mercy, your loving kindness to all humanity. Help us not to take that and run with it. That is, help us not to take it and think, we got all the time in the world we can put you off. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to see the urgency of living for you today. And Lord, if there's someone here today who has never truly turned to you, repented and asked for forgiveness of their sins, asking you to come into their life, making you who they always should have made you in their life, the Lord, the King, their Savior. I pray, Lord, that you'd press upon them that it's better be today. Don't wait. Lord Jesus, help us all to see the areas that we're... we're We're overlooking where we're thinking that you're first and yet it's something else. And even in that, Lord, I know with me that I say you're first and you are first, but then there's other things that distract me and I forget or I just place you back a little bit. And in that, I quit walking with you maybe even ever so momentarily. Help us to be fervent, faithful followers of you, Lord Jesus. I pray that we as a church will be a spirit-filled, spirit-led, contagious church, Lord. So help us to have that urgency and that desire to walk with you daily, moment by moment, hour by hour. Bless each one as they go out today and may... As we are blessed, may we be a great blessing pointing all to you and glorifying you in all that we do and think and say. In Jesus' name, amen.
Do we have the youngsters come forward to take up this morning's offering?